In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode... A UFO experiencer and student of the Bible discusses UFOs mentioned in the Old Testament and the likelihood these crafts are all around us at all times. But you see things through night vision that you just can't see. You also see things in the infrared spectrum with a special camera that you just cannot see with your eye. So they could be there all along, all around us right now. The sky full of them, they're just operating in a different frequency. Right. And of right. all the possibilities, that's the one I'm gonna going to go with. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. 
corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. Wallace Wagner Jr., the author of Crossing the Crevice, is here. Before we get into a discussion about UFOs in the Bible, the pyramids, and much more, I want to remind you to check out my brand new radio program, The Richard Serrett Show, which airs Monday to Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, on Saga 960 AM. You can stream it live at Saga960AM.ca. If you miss it live, you can catch the podcast on the website as well, Saga, that's spelled S-A-U-G-A, as in Mississauga, Saga, Saga, S-A-U-G-A, Saga960am.ca. Wallace Wagner is hoping his book, Crossing the Crevice, will help calm the fears of Bible-believing Christians should disclosure ever take place, whether by our government or by visitors from other worlds, or even the second coming of Jesus Christ. After studying the Bible for many years, Wagner believes that the chariots mentioned in the Old Testament are the same crafts associated with the modern-day UFO phenomenon, and he wants Christians to understand that the pilots of these crafts are not demonic, and that all, and that all living things, even extraterrestrials, are part, are part of God's creation. Wagner received his Bachelor of Science degree from West Virginia University in 1981 and subsequently did graduate work at Marshall University and the University of Charleston. He gained a unique understanding of the Bible from 40 years of study, mostly self-taught. He has an interest in UFO-type craft in the Bible, prophecy, the Great Pyramid of Giza, disclosure, and legitimate crop circles. In September 2016, he had his own UFO sighting of the white Tic Tac variety. Hey, Wallace, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Very well. Thanks, Richard. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. You have a background as a Baptist church, later the Methodist church, and I think you've described it once as being sort of a quasi-Catholic. But tell me, as uh, someone well-grounded in the Bible, when you started to notice discrepancies, let's say, and when you started to question the Bible? Well, that's a good question, and I'm going to answer it this way. I've always been one to read between the lines, and I would often ask questions, or go on the hunt, you know, through commentaries and whatnot, and not get an appropriate answer, or no answer at all, let's put it that way. And when I saw my craft, Richard, back in 2016, it really opened my eyes. I went back through the Bible and looked at it with a different lens, and it became alive to me. Um, we've never been alone. There's UFOs, or crafts, as I call them, throughout the Bible, uh, uh, starting in Genesis, going through Revelation. And how many times have you and I read the same passages? And Revelation 4 comes to mind. And you skip over it, or you think, well, John was in, in, in spirit, spirit form or something, 
and not even pay attention to what you've read and nobody nobody qualifies it and now after I've seen my sighting I go back and read it and I realize that a door opened in heaven which was a craft John was called up into that craft and he was called up into the spirit he was not called in spirit he was called up into the spirit and flown around the heavens in the spirit and it is so many things like that have come alive for me and that's all been within the last five years interesting you use the word craft rather than ufos why is that well i had the distinct pleasure of knowing a professor from liberty university i don't live that far from uh, lynchburg maybe 20 minutes and as you know that's a rather conservative school and would you believe he actually told me and i'm going to quote we don't use the term UFOs anymore. We use the word craft. It's less threatening. And I, that, that's going to stick with me the rest of my life. Well, it's interesting. Uh, we should maybe explain for my Canadian listeners, I have a lot of American listeners, but for my Canadian listeners not familiar with that university, it's a Christian college, right? Yes, it is. It's uh, actually the biggest in the world. It was founded by Jerry Falwell, which has a Southern Baptist flavor. So what do you think was going through his mind? What caused the sea change at Liberty University? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure that he was speaking for the whole university. Let's just say he was more enlightened, a, a, a younger generation. So you mentioned your sighting in the fall of 2016, and it was strikingly similar to the Tic Tac UFO sighting that the video accompanied the December 2017 article in the New York Times of the of the Pentagon's secret UFO study program, ATIP. You are exactly right. Tell me about what happened to you in 2016. Well, at the time, I was a mailman delivering mail on a rural route here in Bedford County, Virginia, and I just made a delivery, and I was going back to my vehicle and something just told me to stop and look up and that's exactly what I did standing in front of the lady's house and right over my head was a cylindrical white object which had no business being there it had no wings or method of lift it had no windows no nacelles nothing it looked solid it was gleaming white was not football shaped, but it was oblong, or what you might call cylindrical with rounded ends. And I saw it for about three seconds. And then it either took off so fast or it cloaked that I no longer could see it. And there was zero sound. And that has kind of changed me. And since that came out about the uh, Nimitz and what you had just mentioned a year later, I feel now vindicated. So I put an artist in renditioning of that uh, craft on the front page of my, on the cover of my book, actually. And I found that kind of interesting because these capsules or oblong objects appear to be showing up in other places as well. And I, I realize that's 
possibly what the American airline pilots saw earlier this week. Right, right. The Tic Tac UFO sighting from the FA-18 jet from the uh, the Nimitz fighter group off of San Diego, that term Tic Tac UFO now has come into common usage. But when you saw yours in 2016 and it looked like a Tic Tac, were you thinking, hey, that looks like a Tic Tac? At the time, no. I thought maybe I was seeing a weather balloon. Maybe it was Google photographing, you know, the earth. Uh, Maybe it was a blimp. All these things started going through my mind. But then I realized, well, wait a minute, it disappeared. It's It's no longer there. A blimp does not disappear. Neither does anything flying that, that, you know, that uses physics that at least we publicly know. And I started thinking about all these things. Who was piloting it? And then I used the word they, and then I realized I did not even know what they meant. Was they somebody off-world, or was it they meaning perhaps secret government? And then if it was secret government, why did they want me to see it? All these things started going through my mind. But uh, as I say, I now feel vindicated. You felt prompted to look up. Can we explore that idea a little bit? Well, we can, but I'm not sure I'm going to have a, a real good answer. I, I just, it was a beautiful September day, you know, the blue sky, cool air, right on the verge of fall, and something, and I don't know what that something is, an, an inner feeling said, stop and look up. And I did, and that's what I saw. Now, I don't know if there was a connection somehow you know, mentally between occupants of the craft and me. I I, I do not know that. But I was not threatened. I did not, you know, feel any fear. Um, It was just something that was not supposed to be there and transcended all known physics. So the book, Crossing the Crevice, or some people say crevasse, what do you say, incidentally? Is it crevice or crevasse? Well, it depends on how much French you have in your <laughs> Well, we're next <laughs> so door to Quebec here. Toronto is probably crevasse <laughs> up there. <laughs> we'll go with crevice, crossing the crevice. One of the primary goals here was to help Bible-believing Christians to cross the crevice. So just to kind of lay out the case, what is the crevice? Well, the whole book was really my epiphany on how it changed me and opened up my mind to believing that crafts are in the Bible, whether you're taught that or not, and nobody's really taught that, and to have an open mind and to realize that you're not getting all the truth from behind the pulpit. And as such, this will help you when disclosure happens. So it's really written from the point of disclosure, trying to help an evangelical Christian or a a very, very literal believing Christian to realize that we're not alone. Beings may not look like us, that uh, we've never been alone. And some things you see in the sky, perhaps even Jesus when he returns with all the lights coming from the east, are really going to be crafts. And I just wanted disclosure to be less threatening for a lot of people. That's really why I wrote the book, trying to keep, you know, the deity of uh, of God still there. It was a very fine line. 
let me let me tell you that for sure. And I knew some of the seeds would fall on rocky ground, and a couple of times I've been accused of perhaps limiting God, but that was not my intention. And if anybody limits God, that's God himself. So right. that makes the point that, uh, you know, Moses ha- had to cross the Red Sea himself. God did not pick him up and move him to the other side. I think that's important to state that your purpose here was not to challenge the existence of a supreme being, God, far from it, oh, right? No, not at all. No, not at all. Now, my one of my purpose was purposes was to show errors in the Bible. You know, most of the people that believe the earth is 6,000 years old, that believe all UFOs are from the devil or a strong delusion, or believe that anybody who doesn't look like you and me must not be from God, uh, I needed to point out that the Bible's been manipulated since its creation, and it's got errors in it now, and I, I do you know, mention a lot of those. I mean, it's even still being manipulated today. If you if you look in in Denmark, for example, the word Israel's been taken out of their Bible in all but one instance. And the reason they did that was because they feel Israel today is nothing like it was back when the Bible was written. Right, right. Well, so many it, other things have been taken out as well. So sure, in the United Church, they are questioning even the divinity of Christ. I wanted to ask you about the, uh, but get back to the UFOs for a moment. Sure. And the idea that what you saw or what that we are seeing may be of extraterrestrial uh, origin, uh, because there was an interesting story that dropped just a couple of weeks ago. I talked about it on my Sunday night radio show with Dr. Paul LaViolette. These were the U.S. Navy quote-unquote UFO patents, where they've come out and, through a FOIA request, basically admitted that the Navy has developed what sounds all the world like UFO-type propulsion systems, although when you read further, it looks like they were, they're were they based on the work of Townsend Brown and Tesla, not necessarily extraterrestrial. So I'm just wondering whether you've given any thought to the idea that the Tic Tac crafts that you saw, that F-A-18 and Commander Favor saw in 2004, may have been advanced U.S. military. I have given a lot of thought to that. Uh, first of all, let me say I've certainly studied Townsend Brown as well as uh, Tesla. And I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, the Pentagon can't even do an accounting of their money. It failed. Where does all this money go to that's unaccounted for and has been going to for so long? And we have somebody like... Ben Rich, who ran the Skunky Lockworks, keeping all that secret <laughs> right amongst all the people. We can keep a secret. Just look at the Manhattan Project. We can keep a secret, but I guess the big question that comes to my mind from that is, where are we developing and doing this? Certainly, somebody would see it. Certainly, the word would get out. Uh, it must be underground. And I think there lies the uh, error uh, to point as to what's going on. It's got to be underground. 
Well, there certainly seems to be a lot of rumblings, <laughs> no pun intended, about these underground bases all over the United States. And that would be probably the, the most logical place to develop them out of sight. But then if they're going to... If you to... believe people like Bob Lazar and whatnot, right. and this goes back for a long, long, long time, we've got the down graphs. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's just how far have we progressed with back engineering them and how far have we come with putting our own together? The other thing is, and you talked earlier about casting seeds, and some of it might might end up on rocky soil, and I don't know, maybe my soil is a little rocky, but I'm just wondering about the idea of, rather than intergalactic, would you rule out the possibility that they're interdimensional? I've thought about that as well. We're talking about, I guess, parallel universes and things of that nature. Or hyperdimensions. Or hyperdimensions. Or perhaps a dimension... I think of it this way, and yes, I have thought of that. What is the difference between us and all the ghosts you're seeing on TV now? Is it they're both alive, apparently, but maybe everything pertains to frequency, and maybe something's out of phase. You know, you can create something out of phase and make it disappear. So maybe we could be in the same dimension, but we're in different phases or operate under different frequencies. Or, as you say, it could be something altogether different. I suspect when and if we finally do learn the truth, it it will likely be something we haven't even thought of in terms of who is piloting or what is piloting these craft. But I guess where I was going with that was if they are in fact, if there's a possibility we're talking about interdimensional, which which might explain this their ability to sort of flit in and out of our reality. They're there, they're not, or maybe it's a cloaking device, but maybe it's Again, literally flitting in and out of our reality. So is it too far of a stretch if we're talking about interdimensional to talk about things like an angelic realm and that, that that's what they, they could be from the angelic realm, which fits into the biblical narrative? I'm in 100% agreement with that, Richard. It's, it's, it's certainly within the realm to discuss that. When you talk of heaven, is, is heaven just the sky or do you get the sense that it's something that perhaps... Enoch would say, or or Enoch would say that that um, it's got levels, which means to me it must be a physical place, perhaps even like the new city, which could be 1,500 miles square. And could that could that be the kingdom of heaven? Right, it makes you wonder. Right, and is it here all along, and we just can't see it? I mean, the human eye only sees a very small percentage of the visible spectrum, which brings to mind, you know, Elisha in Second Kings, uh, surrounded by, well, I guess I should maybe read that if we have a minute. Sure, yes, so your we do. your listeners would um, be up on what I'm talking about. This is a biblical reference from the Old Testament. It's found in Second Kings, chapter 6, um, let's do 15 through 18. Yes. And before I get started, this is an example where there are cloaked crafts that a normal normal human cannot see, but they were there all along. And as we read, now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, This is hopeless, my master. What are we to do? And he said, Do not be afraid. 
for those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Then Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when they came down, they were up in the sky, to him Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this, these people uh, with blindness, and that's what happened. So Elisha knew those chariots of fire were up in the sky, and, but they were cloaked until he prayed and opened the servant's eyes. Now the servant wasn't blind, he just could not see them. Of course, the servant was not a prophet either, but, but uh, uh, if that's happening then, it can certainly happen now. And, and and you some sometimes you know with night vision you see you see moving objects in the sky, or you could even consider them to be stars back then. Anything that moved uh, in the in the sky was a star that had a light. It was still they called it a star. But you see things through night vision that you just can't see, and you also see things in the infrared spectrum with a special camera that you just cannot see with your eye. So they could be there all along, all around us right now. The sky full of them, they're just operating at a different frequency. Right. And of all the possibilities, that's the one I'm going to go with. Yes, I look at at the existence of hyperdimensions, and I forget now how many theoretical physicists say they are. I think they're up to 12 or something. But I, I liken it to standing over a koi pond and imagining that the koi, the the goldfish, now we we know that they can they can peer up out of the water, but imagine that they can't, and they just understand their two dimensional world. And we stick our finger down into the koi pond, and our finger breaks the surface of the water. If they had the brain power to do so, the intellect to do so, imagine what must be going through their minds when they see our finger breaking the surface of the water. To them, that would be like some paranormal event, not understanding that that was attached to a finger, to a hand, to an arm, to a whole human being living in another reality. Well, that certainly makes you think, doesn't it? I I see where you're going with that, and uh, that is definitely an option or a theory. More of my conversation with Wallace Wagner Jr. when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? 
how the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s. Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the host of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field. And we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Andrew Gold, a fallen BBC journalist interviewing the heretics and rebels brave enough to speak out against mainstream narratives. Here's Coleman Hughes, John Ronson and the Trigonometry podcast guys bringing controversy to the fore. How do you feel if a person of a different race moved in next door? I spent a while with a politically correct faction of the Ku Klux Klan. The system punishes people for wrong think. It's heartbreaking. Here's My Unorthodox Life Netflix star Julia Hart on getting out of a Hasidic Jewish cult. Why can't I be okay with being silent and subservient? Everyone else is. And biologist Richard Dawkins on trans activism. It's perfectly legitimate to say, I'm a man, but I feel feminine. But to then say, therefore I am a woman, is just a betrayal of language. Now it's your turn. Rebel against the mainstream and find a home in this sensible alternative space by subscribing to Heretics Podcast. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule, ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today. As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Wallace Wagner is here. Even before your encounter in 2016 with this uh, craft, I believe it was in the early 2000s, you traveled to the Holy Land, you went to Israel. I believe you were baptized for a second time in the Jordan River, which just must have been such an incredibly powerful it ex- was. Experience. experience. It was indeed. Also went to Egypt. Yes. Also went to Fatima. So when you, were in, when you went to Egypt, tell me about the Great Pyramids and what you saw and what, what was going through your mind. How many hours do we have? <laughs> we can carve out a few minutes. There is absolutely, positively, no way that Great Pyramid was built for or by Khufu back in... 2560 B.C. That's the very first thing that's going to come out of my mouth. 
you you speak to guides there that are that been showing people around forever, and they would tell you that the pharaohs always had to one up the one before them. So we started with a pile of rocks, then we went and we created step pyramids, and then we ended up doing bent pyramids, and we experimented with that, and we ended up eventually with the Great Pyramid, which happens to sit at the center of the earth, by the way. And it was a crowning achievement for Khufu. All the other pyramids have hieroglyphics in them, statues, you know, stuff stuff to venerate the Pharaoh. And the Great Pyramid has none of that. Nothing was ever found in there except a writing, and that was really proven to be falsified. The only statue of Khufu has ever been found you can hold in the palm of your hand. He's maybe six inches tall, and it's even questionable if it is Khufu, and he was found hundreds of miles away. Nothing pertains to Khufu. And it's, 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 it's unbelievable, I think is the word, and that's probably an understatement, how the thing was built. It socketed into the ground. It appeared solid. And, and it had 144,000 white Tura limestone casing blocks on it to fit together so well it looked solid. And that came from four sides of what's been calculated at 36,000 a side. So four times the 36,000 is 144,000. Like white limestone blocks, right. 144,000 is an interesting number. Waiting to what's, uh, it's an interesting number because of Revelation. Mm-hmm. What makes it doubly interesting is on each one of those blocks before they were pilfered after an uh, earthquake was a writing no one could understand. And there were 144,000 individual names on those blocks. Now you think about that. Well, with in, the writing, right, no one in, could understand. Well, in Revelation, it's 144,000 men with the name of Jesus on their forehead. Bingo, they're chosen ones. The chosen ones. Ah, interesting. Now, interesting. what happened with, with all this one-upmanship? What happened after Khufu? Well, Yusuf's pyramid is nothing but a heap of rocks, and I have a picture of it in my book. And that's some 60, 80 years later. So where did all this technology go that they had acquired, supposedly, in 2560? And if you do a study on the Great Pyramid, and originally my book was going to be on the Great Pyramid. I've read every book out there. I just figured, you know, a book from me being a novice would just get lost in the shuffle. But there's so many things uh, about the Great Pyramid that let you know that there was supreme knowledge. And I don't believe that supreme knowledge existed in 2560 B.C. It existed far, far before that. So my theory is the Great Pyramid has been there for tens of thousands of years, and the other pyramids are simple copies trying to duplicate it. Otherwise, we would have other Great Pyramids later than that of Khufu. The guides that give you the tour, are they seriously still telling people that the pyramids were tombs for the pharaohs? I mean, my, my kids knew yep. that wasn't true when they were five years old. Well, they, they haven't found a, 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 a mummy in there. Precisely. Um, 
Um, but that's what that's what they say. Yes, it was built as a tomb for the pharaoh, and they tried to one up the one before them, and that just falls flat on its face, especially with the Great Pyramid. You point out something else that's that's quite interesting that I didn't know about. There's a lot I don't know about the pyramids, but yet another thing I didn't know about the pyramids that you point out is that the pyramids we always think of the four sides being straight, and you point out that they're actually concave. We did not know that until the 1970s from satellite imagery. Right. Yes, they're actually concave, and and that degree uh, is actually matches the curvature of the Earth exactly. Now, you think of the engineering involved for that, and how would someone back in 2560 know the curvature of the Earth? I mean, the Earth was flat until 1492, right? Right, right. I mean, that's what we're taught. Mm-hmm. How does the age of the pyramids, being you know tens of thousands of years old, how does that fit into this whole narrative? We are not alone. Crafts in the Bible and so forth. Connect the dots for me. We've never been alone. We've been visited a lot in the past, and I personally believe, Richard, that. We've gone through these cycles on this planet where we've, you know, progressed and developed and then a, a point happens to where we're either taken off the planet as a group or some catastrophic event happens and we start all over like a cycle. But there's a lot to be said that Egypt's history goes back 30 or 40,000 years. And I include a picture of the Palermo Stone and uh, some other stuff um, that, 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 you know, support the fact that Egypt has had people there with supreme knowledge, coming from the stars, by the way, uh, for perhaps 30,000 years. And if you have that, then the Earth is, of course, not 6,000 years old, and we're not alone, and... Some of these people had green skin, so they certainly didn't look like us, but yet they came from the stars. So they had a hand in, in the construction of the pyramids? I believe so, mm-hmm. yes. I've had numerous alternative Egyptologists on the program uh, positing that the pyramids were power stations or the pyramids were um, a water pump. You have an entirely different view of, of what the pyramids were used for. Well, I, I'm probably going to take the road less traveled on that. And one of the books I have read seems to make a lot more sense to me than others. And that's the fact that the pyramid, or the Great Pyramid, excuse me, was used as an initiation chamber uh, for mystery schools. And back during the time of Jesus, there was a mystery school in Egypt called the Panthers. And basically what would happen is you would go th- proceed through all the different phases and you would end up in the king's chamber and be knocked out into a semi-conscious state and put in the little sarcophagus. And when you would wake up, it's like being resurrected again. And, you know, when you survive that, you graduate. And if you're a graduate of one of those hermetic schools back then, you were really something in a land where there weren't too many people 
that had prominent power or knowledge. And, you know, doing all that invoked an amount of, a large amount of wisdom as well. And I actually believe that Christ was, excuse me, one of those graduates of the, of the mystery schools called the Panthers. So, so he was initiated in the Great Pyramid. Right. Does that... That's something that was verbally handed down, that wisdom, that knowledge, through all the pharaohs, going back to Narmer, and even before Narmer, to the Shimshu Hur. Uh, talk to me about the role of the Ben-Ben stone, which supposedly sat atop the, uh, like the capstone in the pyramid. Well, you use the word supposedly. There's, there's you know, theories out there as to, A, it never existed at all, or B, it existed and then disappeared, or C, it existed and was pilfered. But I don't see how it could be pilfered, not not from high up like it was. I believe the Ben-Ben stone was most likely made out of risen or rosin, and this is a personal belief. You know, you, in your studies, you've probably realized that there's some component of sound that could be attached to the Great Pyramid, and part of the initiation process would be fellow members of that school would um, hum at a certain frequency, and that frequency would, in essence, generate some type of piezoelectric power which lit up that capstone, which was rosin, and when that was lit up, that means that the initiation was over and that the candidate had passed. And that, that's what you, uh, or at least what you're told. There's another line of thought that says it wasn't there, and there's a couple verses in some books that did not make it into the Bible that says Christ will actually bring that stone back with him when he returns. I've thrown out a couple of things there hmm. that our listeners can ponder about. Sure, they can chew on those after <laughs> for a while. You know, they, there was a huge earthquake or two back around 1100 in Cairo, so all those white stones, you know, were basically easy pickings for mosque in Cairo and whatnot. But that Ben-Ben stone up on top, boy, I tell you, that would be hard to get off. And, and carry back down. So I, I just don't see that happening. I've, I, I'm inclined to say that if it was there, some way, somehow it disappeared. But as you know, regardless of what you might see on TV, the Great Pyramid actually has a flat top. Lots of times the cameras will focus in on the center pyramid. Uh, but that's, that's, that's not the Great Pyramid. The Great Pyramid is the one with the flat top. The big, biggest one, right? Uh, you mentioned the this secret society that these the Panthers um, are they at all connected to the the Illuminati? Well, I guess they're all cousins. They're all a mystery school, like the Rosicrucians or the Illuminati, or perhaps even you know the Masons to a lesser extent. It's all a mystery school that you progress through levels or grades uh, until you get to the highest possible. And uh, they've been around a long time. I, I wanted to get your take on uh, the, the, uh, the Nephilim 
mentioned in is it Genesis six? Um, it is and Genesis six, and also in uh, in the book of Enoch, and how that might fit into this idea that the fallen angels supposedly commingled with the daughters of men and created this race of hybrids, uh, titans, giants. Um, your, your thoughts on that? Uh, Zachariah Sitchkin would, would have you believe, and he's got his followers, that the Nephilim were actually the fallen ones from the stars, or the ones that actually came down, or the sons of God that impregnated the women. The other line of thought is, well, no, actually the Nephilim were the giants that were the, the offspring of the sons of God and, and the women. And uh, there's not too many Bibles anymore that even use that word, Nephilim. But just the fact that, that these beings did, in fact, come down and impregnate women would be, I guess, equivalent, using your analogy, having fish food in your hand and feeding it once you penetrated the top of the water to the koi. Um, they, they were either from a different dimension or perhaps they were watchers watching us all along and just could not resist themselves. But it certainly makes you think that, you know, lots of times we're taught that heaven is all bliss and no evil and uh, an eternity of nothing but good. But heaven uh, has a darker side, too, as there's evil out there and there's wars in heaven and we fight spiritual forces that we cannot see, as in Ephesians, that are out there. And apparently you can still sin as these sons of God did. So here we have the impregnation that occurs and then we have these giants that occur. And the giants seem to have gotten a pass from the flood, which is interesting because the flood supposedly killed every living thing, if you read your Bible literally, leaving eight eight people on the ark. But lo and behold, there's giants afterwards. So the giants have a pass, and uh, it was actually up to humankind to eventually kill out the giants much later. And there were giants, by the way. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what you might read on Snopes or Snoops, whatever you call that website, there's definitely giants. And a lot of the pictures that you see anymore online, some of them have been doctored, a few haven't. But all the real bones, they always seem to disappear. It makes me wonder what's in the basement of the Smithsonian <laughs> as we speak. Right, right. How many times have you really read something from a knowledgeable anthropologist or geologist or they found something and uh, they want to do study on it and they go back to get it and guess what it's gone right how convenient where did they go exactly well yeah it, it seems to me though that at a certain time it was pretty much common knowledge that these those burial mounds uh up and down the ohio valley and even up here in into ontario contained the bones of giants. Even Abraham Lincoln was traveling to Niagara Falls. He wasn't president yet. In fact, I think he was campaigning for someone else. This was in the 
50s maybe. And he made a speech uh, talking about how beautiful Niagara Falls were and, and how something about the, the, the giant bones in the, in the, I don't have it, the quote in front of me, but inside those burial mounds, giant bones. And, and, and skeptics said, oh, he was talking about mastodon or woolly mammoth bones or something. No, he was pretty clear. Giant bones. Even Abraham Lincoln knew about this. Correct, and and I think you're referring to the Adena tribe. Probably, yeah. That that uh, made all these mounds. You're exactly correct. Up and down the Ohio Ohio Valley, and they actually go beyond that. Um, there are definitely large scale human bones within those undisturbed mounds, and the reason they knew that they were in there in, in the older years, they actually you know, disturbed some of the mounds and, and found them. And we're talking eight and nine feet or longer. So, and if you ever go into the Cairo Museum, by the way, you know, there's a lot of sarcophagus or sarcophagi that is longer than you were led to believe the humans were back then. I, I have seen many that are in there that are eight and nine feet long. Hmm. Now, you don't need a nine-foot-long sarcophagus to put a a five-and-a-half-foot mummy into, do you? Getting back to the Bible for a moment, in Matthew, when Jesus is answering questions about when he will return, and he talks about, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be again. Again, when we talk about what was happening during the days of Noah, it gets back to this hybrid, the bloodline sort of of humanity was corrupted with either the fallen angels or if you want to call them people from the stars or whatever. But the idea that it's going to be like that again, does that sound familiar? Does that sound like perhaps the modern day alien abduction phenomenon? I tell you what, I've thought a little bit about that, not a whole lot. Um... My take on, you're referring to Matthew chapter 24, or what's known as the Mount Olivet Discourse. When he says, in the days of Noah, I'm really thinking mankind in general, referring to our situation here, not paying attention to the signs that's going on around us, not being alert. That's kind of sort of my take on that. In reference to what, what you've said, it's certainly possible. There have been people just have disappeared off this planet and it seems to be a non-starter for the news media i mean we have thousands of people a year that just disappear even in an national forest and are unaccounted for you can you can track somebody and their footprints go and then all of a sudden they stop and there's no clothes there's nothing the footprints just stop and Where's the person? It makes me wonder, and this is a conspiracy theory, that we are already in communication with other species, and maybe some way, somehow, we have allowed them to take X number of our population off this planet for either experimental purposes or perhaps DNA modification or perhaps forming hybrids. It's just something in the back of my mind. It, it Was that the deal struck supposedly between President Eisenhower and the aliens at, uh, that he met at Holloman Air Force Base, supposedly? You know, that's, you know, that's something to think about. That definitely happened, by the way, but we just don't have all the ins and outs on what was said. I've heard one account where in attendance at that meeting was the uh, Catholic Bishop of, or Archbishop of Los Angeles. 
I have read that as well. Mm. You wonder what the Vatican has <laughs> that they're not telling us. Um, you know, recently it's come out of the Vatican that, you know, if the universe is full of life, that really doesn't alter our faith. And so what do they know? Right. Well, they seem to, they seem to uh, operate a lot of the large uh, telescopes around the world. That is correct. Mm. What do they know? But there's lots of things that, that um, appear in the skies that never make it to the mainstream media. It has to be almost an airline pilot before you hear anything anymore. Right, right. We are in, we are really coy in a pond, aren't we? Um, uh, so, th- disclosure. Do you think that somehow the timing of disclosure is linked to perhaps the second coming? That's a very intelligent question, and and one which I have thought about, and it is definitely a possibility. I'm, I'm, go- I'm going to say if I had to bet yes or no with nothing in between, not, you know, you're not allowed to be on the fence, <laughs> I would say yes, that the second coming is definitely going to happen. You know, you and I are both fully convinced of that. And when it does, there'll be lights in the sky. Lights, not beings flying around without a craft, there will be lights, and those lights are illuminated crafts. And Jesus' light will be the brightest and the largest, and there will be thousands of them. Now, what's going to happen when that happens? You and I may be prepared for that, but I want, you know, the evangelical Christian to be ready for that, hence my book. Hence your book indeed. (laughs) Those are going to be... uh, 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 minions of the devil because they're crafts when in actuality that's not it at all it's a complete reversal i'm just wondering when all these crafts appear from the east all through the sky thousands ten thousands is that when the rapture is going to happen and are we destined to go up in those crafts like john are we going to be transported to a new heaven and a new earth where there's no ocean and you'll look up in the heavens and you'll see a different expanse than what you see now makes you think be thou prepared and read crossing the crevice how do we get a copy sure you can either go to my website which is crossingthecrevice.com and uh, there's a link there for Amazon where you can find Kindle a grayscale version or full-color version and you can also order a full-color version directly from the website which I will personally sign for you should you be so inclined but uh, Amazon is the main outlet well why should we give any more money to Jeff Bezos let's let's direct <laughs> let's give direct people to crossingthecrevice.com and get the autographed copy that uh, works for me the, the color copy is much more engaging. With uh, The book has quite a few pictures in it, Richard, so the uh, pictures really come to life in the color version. Wonderful. Wallace, it's been a delight. Thank you so much. Great meeting you. Well, thank you. The pleasure has been mine. Hope to do it again sometime, Richard. 
Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash strange planet patreon.com forward slash strange planet there are several tiers to choose from pick which one is right for you but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated as a sign of my appreciation you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show or you could have your name included in a crawl on my youtube channel live stream you could also receive episodes of my old podcast the rock and roll twilight zone this critically acclaimed podcast produced in partnership with chris jericho is not currently available anywhere else If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up next time, I speak to the son of an inventor who's trying to bring back his late father's work in antique revitics. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>